going on, everyone? Welcome on in to another episode of Golf on Tap. Make sure to go and jump into the YouTube feed of this as well so you can interact with us in the comment section. Let us know who you're going to be targeting for the People's Open, which is back this week at TPC Scottsdale, the Waste Management Phoenix Open. We'll be talking about that. We'll also be getting into uh, Pebble Beach with Wyndham Clark shooting a 60, so close to a 59 or even a 58 with the putts that he had on the back nine, but going super low on Saturday to wind up being the winner of that tournament. And then, of course, a very big opportunity for live golf with pebble beach being canceled uh on that on that sunday they had a major opportunity so we're gonna be talking about a lot of good stuff on the show here today also to everyone out there watching this make sure to go in uh subscribe to golf on tap on apple Podcasts or on spotify we just got that put up there recently so would greatly appreciate all your support along the way as we dive into this week in and week out as always i'm jack bushman joined by my partner in crime, Ross Barron. Ross, it's good to be back on the show. I was absent last week, but glad to hear that Mr. Tony Marchese was able to jump in and you two had some fun together, but uh, definitely stoked to be back. We got a lot to talk about on today's show, but before we get into that, how you doing, Ross? Uh, I'm doing good, man. It's still freezing like crazy out here. I busted out the living room putt putting mat so just trying to knock down those eight to ten footers because i'm not gonna thaw out for like another two to three months here it's looking like <laughs> i actually had uh one of my buddies text me a couple of days ago saying that uh, a local course by uh by me in the northwest suburbs of chicago is actually going to be open this weekend potentially with temperatures creeping up into the 40s while i was gone in mexico it looked like most of the snow here in the chicagoland area has melted so maybe i need to get back onto the uh need to roll out the putting green in my house as well to kind of fine tune the game because I haven't touched a club in like four or five months, man, but golf season is almost here. We're, uh, we're heating up. And so is the PGA tour schedule, bro. Obviously we just had Pebble beach last week, which was a signature event. Didn't get a Sunday final round. It was cut to 54 holes, which is, you know, a little bit ironic, um, with what's been going on with live golf and their tournament that they had over the weekend, but still an unbelievable tournament. And I think it's really awesome to see Pebble Beach get designated status, something that quite frankly needed to happen because the last couple of years and really ever since I had been a huge fan of golf, Ross, the fields at Pebble Beach, pardon my French, were just quite honestly dog shit because of where it wound up in the schedule. So for the PGA Tour to make this a designated event to have the best at Pebble Beach, I think is something that needs to be happening moving forward and uh, put together, even though it was only three rounds, a, a really solid tournament. What were kind of your your thoughts and main takeaways from Pebble Beach this past weekend, Ross? No, honestly, I thought it was a great it was a great show just to see, you know, it it was, like you said, ironic that we end up having a 54 hole no cut signature event <laughs> fall on, on live opening weekend. But we had the big names out there. The biggest thing is a lot of those big names did not perform like you thought they would. Um, I mean, aside from Rory, Rory got screwed by basically a couple shots you know that 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 opening round he went super low and it blew up in about two holes then assessed the penalty late but overall it was it was fun to see and like we'll talk about a little bit later once again you had a bunch of guys that are fresh to the tour just make paving their way we're back in it again We'll get there in just one second, but I do want to mention that Wyndham Clark, 
even though it has been a pretty quiet stretch for him following his U.S. Open victory, he might have celebrated a little bit too hard following that, but in now the last 10 months or so, he's won two signature events and the U.S. Open. I mean, I know it hasn't been great for him recently, but that resume right there is gosh darn impressive for a guy who like 14 months ago, not a ton of people really knew about. Got to be impressed with what Wyndham Clark was able to do. And again, even though he hasn't been playing well lately, he's still showing that he has that high level ability and can kick it up a gear like not many other people have when he's on his A game. Well, I mean, especially, um, you know, I went to the PGA Championship last year out here in Rochester with my family. And I can attest to how crazy like these past 12 months have been for him because the PGA championship was two weeks after he won Wells Fargo and got his first career win. And when he stepped on the tee for someone that wasn't an avid PGA like fan, most of the people were going, who the hell is this? When he was on the tee box. <laughs> now you fast forward 12 months later and he's one of the biggest names in golf and let, let alone, he was a huge live target for a really long time. So it's really cool to see just how fast this is progressing for him. And yeah, a, a huge win overall because he did have such a um, down period fo following the U.S. Open. You know, didn't play as well as he hoped at the Ryder Cup. And then just the several events he played post Ryder Cup, he just kind of, his game looked off. So this was a great bounce back. And you know, you almost shot 59 at Pebble Beach. And when, like, I know it got cut short to three rounds, but when you go and shoot the course record at Pebble, you do ultimately deserve the victory. And uh, I don't know, did you see how uh, Wyndham elected to celebrate that win on, I think it was uh, a Monday before heading down to Phoenix? You see what he was up to? Uh, all I saw was uh, sun Sundays and trophies. Sunday's trophies and a lot of red wine. It looked like an absolutely fantastic celebration from Mr. Wyndham Clark. Um, did want to run this by you because I, it was just an interesting thought that popped into my head. How funny would it be if Wyndham signed to live like now? Like, <laughs> how funny would that be? I mean, it, maximizing on the opportunity. I don't know if there's still uh, an offer out there. And again, I don't really know. Uh, what went wrong with the negotiations when he was rumored there? And I'll admittedly say it's unlikely that it does happen, but wouldn't it be pretty funny if he just capitalized on this one at Pebble Beach and signed to live? Oh, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I was laughing. I don't know if you saw any of his comments the past couple of days where they've interviewed him and his main statement has been, I, cho I chose legacy over live. <laughs> and the entire time I was like, eh. You almost went. Yeah, right. And then low-key, anyone who's ever made those comments is like ended up going. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just saw it and I was I was laughing because like good for him. He sees a bigger picture, but at the same time, I did giggle a little bit at those comments. I was like, but you were really, really close. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like pretty pretty funny. Um, some other other takeaways from Pebble Beach, though. Uh Ludwig, we got we got a final uh pronunciation hopefully this is the final pronunciation on his last name because uh it's been you know multiple different things we've heard oberg we've heard uh obear we've heard a bear and now we finally got some uh clarification ross what do we got uh he finally sat down and after eight months on tour which is just <laughs> abs absolutely mind-blowing that it took eight months for him to just be like hey guys 
after Aberg, Oberg, all this, we finally found out it is Ludwig Oberg. And now we finally got in. He can't go back on that anymore, okay? This is this is what it officially is, Ludwig Oberg. It's settled in stone. But besides the name complications, he is out on a rampage to start his PGA Tour career. And I posted on social media a couple of weeks ago. I'll just be the one to say it because I'm never backing him uh, at these low prices, but maybe, or these low odds, I should say, mm-hmm. but maybe I should be because he just seemingly is in contention every week and he's annoyingly good, Ross. It should not be this easy for someone to come on the PGA tour and basically be inside the top 20, if not the top 10 week in and week out. I mean, he is an incredible sensation and he's going to be a name that people are going to be hearing about for a long, long time. I got a feeling. No, I I mean, he's the perfect product of what the PGA tried to install with the PGA tour. U, where, you know, for years, these guys basically had to take the amateur stat, take the amateur status, come, come on these tours, play the events, essentially no no money but then had to perform and if you performed well enough they'd be like oh here here here's a card well now it's all it's all different it's completely changed they t- they essentially have a point system they track how they perform at the college ranks and at the end of the year they pick one two three de- depending how close the points are at the end of the year that have been accumulated and say hey guy you're a pro now. Here you go. You don't have to go play corn fairy anything. You can just go pro. You can play select events that will that will determine for you. But here you go. You don't have to you don't have to do the minors. It's like getting drafted and called up immediately. You're in the show. And for him, he's gone and completely rewritten the record books cuz he came out, he's one of he was one of the hottest players as soon as he got out with all his top 10s. He made a Ryder Cup before he has even played in his first major as a pro that has never happened before in the history of golf. And he played well at the Ryder cup, seemingly like he does week in and week out. His consistency has been unbelievable. Um, And what I think is pretty crazy about the PGA tour university, obviously he's kind of the, uh, the first one that we're seeing here. So it makes it look pretty good, but I think it's a a reminder of just how good this next generation is really going to be. And we're just starting to scratch the surface on it. And uh, it's going to be a really good thing for golf long-term because it feels like there are going to be a lot more household names with just the bunches of talents that is uh, coming up and can go straight to the PGA tour if they're playing well at the collegiate level. So I think it was a wise decision by the tour on that front. Um, Well, I I mean, I mean, let, let alone that, I don't know if you saw, but even Caleb Surratt was in the running for that. Caleb Surratt got a huge payday from Liv to to go over. I don't know if you saw what happened to him today, though, which was pre- which was pretty hilarious. With him being only 19 years old, he attempted to check into the hotel in Vegas for the Liv event, and they would not allow him to check in because he's under the age of 21. Tyrell Hatton had to sign on um, for for the room with him to allow him to check in for the event. <laughs> That's pretty hilarious. Caleb had himself a pretty good event for uh, Liv and Mayakova over the weekend. We'll get there in just a moment, but I did want to touch on another uh, highly touted no longer amateur, which means he can get a paycheck. Funny enough, though, Ross, Nick Dunlap came in dead last last week at Pebble Beach, but collected uh, a much loftier check than he got for his win at the Amex. 
Yes, if we win the Amex and he forfeits a $1.6 million paycheck, he comes into Pebble Beach, finishes dead last, and goes home with a cool $32,000. <laughs> it's funny uh, uh, how that kind of works out, but hey, Nick Dunlap, um, whether it was no money for that win, whether it was a $1 million, I'm sure it was a great moment for him and a great stepping stone in his career. And he's going to be making a lot more money moving forward. So I know it's a funny joke, but... It's going to be which led right? me, which led me to believe. Do you think that played into his decision for um, going home, withdrawing, you know, from last week's event? Do you think he purposely did that because he realized maybe I don't go play, maybe I don't go play farmers right now because if I get cut, I'm going to lose money starting my career. Compared to if I if I go to Pebble Beach, at least I know I'm getting a paycheck and I start off on a hot foot with anything. That's actually a pretty good point. No cut. That's a guaranteed payday right there for Mr. Nick Dunlap. You don't want to be starting your career in the negatives, right? It's like starting a golf betting season already in the negatives. You're like working your way back up. You don't want to be doing that. Maybe, maybe there was a reason for Nick Dunlap purposely waiting for Pebble Beach to be his first pro start. I mean, I, I could see it. I, I, I could see where maybe you don't want to go in ne negative week one. Let, let's postpone a week, to take a week to relax. And I'll go out to California where I know I'm at least coming home in, in with something in the bank. Definitely a good point. We got to talk about Mayakoba this past weekend, Ross, because for the first time ever, I, it was my last, not my last day on vacation, my last full day, I guess you could say on vacation. So I wasn't around the TV. I wanted to be outside and I wanted to enjoy the nice weather, but I did catch probably the last hour and a half to two hours uh, of that tournament. And I thought there were a lot of positives, a lot of negatives, but all in all, my main number one takeaway was that this weekend was a massive win for live golf. No way around it. No way around it. Oh, I, I completely agree. I, I think you and I were chatting uh, on in, on Sunday as it was going on. And, you know, when the PGA made the call that we're just not going to do this, or at least at the time they were postponing to later in the day. Right. One of the one of the first things that you and I talked about is, wow, this opened up essentially a four hour window where Liv is going to be the only thing on. And they're they're on TV. You have John Rahm in contention, not only individually, but with his team also. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have people you're gonna have people you know turn over and watch, and I think when they showed reports, it was one of the highest viewed live events that they, that they've had so far. I, I would think it has to be because it was just such a prime opportunity for them on a day where a Sunday where there isn't PGA Tour golf going on, there's no football, right? It was going to draw a lot of attention and. Man, um, I, I do think there are some wonky things about Liv, but there are definitely some things that I, I liked about it too. And Ross, I, I really do think it's getting to the point where you can't deny the talent that they have in these fields. I mean, looking at the top of the leaderboard that they had at Mayakoba, John Rahm, uh, Joaquin Neiman, Sergio Garcia, Cameron Smith was there for a little bit. Uh, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, they had their names on the top of the leaderboard. And it's like, man, you, you can't deny that. This is a ending of a tournament where there's a lot of major champions, a lot of big game hunters, a lot of big names in the world of golf that are contending for a trophy. Yeah, I know there's a team aspect of it too, but the individual aspect is still very compelling and they've got a good enough field where it, it feels like it matters now, right? That's how I feel at least. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I'm going to be honest, 
the team aspect is really weird. It stinks, dude. It stinks. It is really weird. I did semi like the change they made for the Sunday round where they made all four people were able to be in contention. And it only made it interesting, like in John Rahm's team's case, because the one dude is five over, like in dead last in the tournament. And he ended up shooting like three or four under and yeah. actually coming into play for the t- for them getting the team win, which, which if that's over time, maybe I think I could get a little more use that where that's kind of cool that even the lowest person on the totem pole can have a day and make an impact. So I, I guess I could circle back on that in the future, but overall the leaderboard itself was exciting to see. I mean, they're still playing golf, right? They were playing good golf. They were matching each other's shots left and right. And we had the first playoff in live history. Of course, it's going to be when everyone has eyes on them because the PGA cancels. They they have a four-hole playoff. They're literally putting under spotlights at night. <laughs> and I'm just going to say, I'm going to give them credit because there's not a freaking chance the PGA under Jay Monahan would be able to get that thing done the way they did. I completely agree 100%. Um, I definitely wanted to talk about a, a few positives in particular that I liked about Liv over the weekend. One, the leaderboard, the actual, not not the not the names, the leaderboard in and alone of itself, it's, it's not perfect, but it, it has potential. And the one thing I feel like I'm more confident in Liv than the PGA Tour is that they're actually going to listen. And they're actually going to change things because they are kind of new and they're figuring out what works for them. The leaderboard being as long as it is, I think is interesting. And I think there's, there's opportunities there. I hate how they shorten people's names. And listen, if you can't fit Johnson on the leaderboard, you have a problem. They had to cut out the O in Dustin Johnson's name. No one knew who Mito Pereira was on the leaderboard because it looked super confusing. And I I think the, the team thing for me is just, it's, it's a joke quite honestly, because I how, like these guys are celebrating with champagne at the end of a tournament in which none of them won. Like it's just, it's just really odd. And I feel like they draw live draws into it when they really need to make it like a big factor. But ultimately when it's like a good leaderboard and it's not a race for the team aspect, they just care about who's winning the individuals. So that's a little bit wonky to me. And be, because of that, I feel like they could get rid of the logos or at least make them a little bit smaller on the leaderboard because when people are looking at a leaderboard, quite honestly, they they want to know the players' names. They don't really care about what team they're on. Um, and that's kind of the weird thing about Liv is they built it as this team thing and a team dynamic, and we're hoping to sell these teams to make money when I don't think that's ever what's going to be what takes them off. Um, quite honestly, they just have enough talent now where they can just run individual leaderboards and it feels like that could be good enough to get the job done. But I think the leaderboard in and alone of itself is really cool. Um, also the broadcast actually showing golf, actually showing shots. is something that the PGA tour could really learn about instead of all these commercials where, I mean, shoot, dude, we were watching Pebble beach on Saturday with Wyndham and we're seeing Matt Kuchar like all day and he's not in the mix, man. Like show us people who are in the mix, show us stuff that we want to see. This has been a reoccurring theme that golf fans have been saying for years and years now. And Liv has been able to figure it out as fast as they have tells me that the PGA tour can do it. They just don't fucking listen. And that's, that's the thing to me. It seems like Liv is actually listening. Well, I mean, we got our perfect example is, you know, Friday, 
Joaquin Neiman shot 59 at Mayakoba. Yeah. If you if you watch any of that broadcast, it you know, I had PGA on in the background here and I had Liv on uh because it was a YouTube stream for for that day. And I'm just I just want to see because it's their opener. Like, let's see how John Rahm everyone does. When Joaquin Neiman went on 59 watch, they didn't take the fucking camera off of him. Every single shot, every single hole. Let's see if he can do it. Wyndham Clark was chasing 59 on Saturday. And we see Wyndham Clark every two to three holes. He's three or four holes up. Oh, by the way, he birdied the last three in a row. A moment ago, here's Wyndham Clark on 59 watch. It's like, dude, what what are we talking about here? And I think what is really ironic, too, is the second to last 59 the PGA Tour had was Adam Hadwin at the American Express. But, oh, wait, no one could watch that because they didn't have cameras on that course. It's bullshit, dude. Like, Liv actually is showing what golf fans want to see, and they're giving us what golf fans want to hear, the conversations between Neiman and his caddy throughout the entirety of the playoff. It was actually, like, aggressive conversations, I thought. If, uh, I, if, if you watch the last, like, hour and a half of them wrapping, wrapping up, I literally thought these two are going to part ways after this tournament, even <laughs> when they win. I thought the same thing. I was like, dude, I feel like Joaquin Neiman's caddy is bullying him and is like selecting clubs and was giving him all the wrong reads on the putting greens. I was like, if Waco loses this, this guy's canned. Well, if you if you listen, there was one point where like David Faraday was laughing his ass off, calling it that Waco wanted to hit his shot with a club and his caddy stepped in with the bag and David was like, oh, that's never. <laughs> No, I know. Here's we got a lot and, of and then he Joey. and then he and then he and then he and, and then he ended up like refusing to back up with the bag. He just stayed there planted like, no, you're not going to hit that. You're going to hit this. And Waco kept like waving him off like, no, I think it needs to be it needs to be this. And the guy just wouldn't move until Waco finally was like, fine, to which it to the caddy's credit, he ended up hitting it to like 12 feet perfectly. When the other club definitely would have ended up being short. Yeah, but, right. But still, just the on-air tension of even Faraday sitting there being like, oh, this is probably not going to go well right now because he refuses to back off. And we got to hear all of that, though. We got to hear those insights. I thought that was really solid. I thought their implementation of, uh, like, how you get punished if you miss shots to the right on that 18th hole throughout the playoff or in, in the early holes of the playoff to kind of give fans an idea of where you want to hit it and where you don't. Uh, I also personally like the cups being mic'd up. I just think it makes putts sound cooler when you hold them. Like there are definitely some positives of live and this was the most I had watched it for sure. Thus far, it probably helped that, you know, John Rahm was there at the end and I'm a big Joaquin Neiman fan. And I know him and Sergio have been good buddies for a while. So it was kind of a, a cool top of the leaderboard there, which I think aided in, you know, this going so well, but man, again, there's just no denying how massive of a weekend this was for live golf and the PGA tour needs Jay Monahan, literally, someone throw ice water on this dude's grill to wake him up because this has to get done now, man. We're losing day in and day out, and it's sad that we're still here talking about it, Ross. My, my, my only two things out of that all that coverage for Liv were, first of all, just how many mics are around the players, everything. The best hot mic from the weekend was the John Rahm chip where he duffed it, went too short, stopped the roll, and as soon as it stops the roll, you just hear John Rahm in the background, get fucked. 
<laughs> Dude, Rob, I thought um something I, I think Liv needs to dial it back on is like stop interviewing these guys after their rounds and trying to get them to tell them how cool live golf is. Like anything that's fucking cool, you don't need people saying it's cool. Like going up to John and be like, How awesome was it? Your first event at Live. Like, this guy just finished bogey bogey and lost the fucking tournament. All right. And he runs hot. Like, he doesn't give a shit about this team factor. And now he has to go lie some more in front of everybody. It's like, all right, know yourselves, know your role, know why people are actually here right now. There there was that, and then the one that made me laugh really, really hard was like their on-course commentators. There's a couple of them that do a really good job, but there was one guy that they kept going to, and they're like, how's his live look? What do you think he's going to do? And he's just like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember I think I remember him saying, uh, I hadn't gotten over there yet, <laughs> or something along those lines. But um, there, there is some weird stuff going on with the commentary. Like, I think they they understand or at least the the main commentary team understands when to be quiet when to shut up and i think steve sands uh could learn a lot from that because steve sands loves hearing steve sands talk and sometimes it's just like golly man just show the golf again that's what we're here to do is to show the golf but the the music dude i'm someone who barely likes listening to music when i'm playing golf like I'll, I'll listen to it with my buddies. I'm never going to be like the bad vibe guy out there on the course and be like, Hey, turn that shit off. No, I'll listen to music out there on the course. But like, ideally I don't like it on. Uh, and I think especially like down the stretch of a tournament when it's really important on the last day of a tournament, like to be playing music kind of dampers it down a little bit in my mind. It's the only thing I could have done without when overall for, this is probably the first live event I've truly like gotten into and dedicated my time to watching. That was probably the one thing I could have done without where I was like, all right, well we have a huge shot here on 17 and then you can just hear the EDM music bumping in the background like crazy. And it's like, whatever, like damn you people. This is golf. (laughs) Yeah, literally damn you people. Fucking shooter. That was great. Uh, I think we should talk for a second though, about uh, Neiman and Sergio in that playoff. I think it was awesome that um, it seemed like they were going to have to finish on Monday. And then Sergio was just like, now we're going back. Like even (laughs) after Sergio didn't warm up for the playoff, I knew it was not going to go very well for him. Sergio sat on the back of the green the entire time, just watching his boy Waco finish. Uh, We didn't get a lot of good golf in that playoff until Neiman finally drained a putt late. And I wasn't really sure like who was ultimately going to come out of it. And it felt like everyone late played bad. Even John Rahm, it felt like it was his tournament to win. And he ended up playing poorly. Um, just kind of a weird ending, but super happy for me personally to see Neiman come through. What were kind of your, your thoughts on the finish there? Um, once again, just really impressed that they were able to pull it out, especially like you said, yes. with Sergio, with Sergio just being like, fuck it. No, we're going back. We're doing it again. The PGA would be, oh, no, 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 we got to go tomorrow. There's just no way. By the time they got back to the tee box to go again, they had spotlights on the green. It's lit up completely where they at least can see their target. Like, screw, screw the shots in between. We'll find it getting up there. You just need to see where you're hitting it. PGA would never be able to get that just done as fast as they did which was really impressive that they even said after the third playoff hole oh we're gonna have to go to monday and then sergio and joaquin were like no we're not we're we're going back like we're just gonna end this now 
Yeah, I thought that was awesome. And I'm sure everyone that was in attendance, and I mean, even the people watching wanted it to finish that day, but the people that were there getting to watch that in the dark um, with like the Jumbotron basically lighting it up, I feel like that's one of those tournaments that those people aren't going to forget and was like a, a, a major big time big dick type of move from live golf and, and the players. I mean, it, it wasn't live. It was Sergio and Neiman being like, yeah, let's go back. We're going to put on a show for these guys. Someone's got to win this bad boy. Um, and I, I thought just for the fans that probably had to leave them with such a big smile on their face that they got to see a winner and not, Oh, it's a draw after all this long day and all this uh, excitement that we didn't even get a winner. I think that was just like a very fitting end to, again, just a, a monumental day for uh, a live golf, in my opinion. Steve Sands, by the way, know your role and shut your mouth, Steve Sands. It's my my opinion on that. But before we move on to the Waste Management Phoenix Open Ross, I think we got to talk about how uh, Waco comes through with a victory probably not in uh, as good of a field as Pebble Beach, but still an undeniably talented field and a really, really uh, star-studded top of the leaderboard. He moves back in the official world golf rankings. Wyndham Clark gets a massive victory in a 54-hole, no-cut signature event. He moves up a bunch in the official world golf ranking. Obviously, we know this is the case with Live Golf. Their tournaments don't have official world golf ranking points, and I, I personally won't ever really feel bad for the players not getting OWGR points, even though there is an interesting uh, point that we'll get to here in just a second. It's, it's more so that it's just clearly wrong is what really upsets me. I don't feel bad for the players because they made their decision regardless of what they were told, like we'll get to in just a second. But the biggest reason why it rubs me the wrong way is because it's just wrong. Joaquin Neiman should not have fallen in the world golf rankings for that type of victory. I don't care what what live golf is and they don't get world ranking points. It's just wrong. No, I, I completely agree that, you know, the top 60 players in the world basically get full exemption and are into the majors. <clears throat> Waco came into the week sitting at six at 66 went out, fired off a 59, played an unbelievable event, won the event, and then slipped eight spots in the world rankings for the week. While Wyndham Clark does the reverse, but it's the PGA Tour, and even though it's 54 holes, he ju he jumps up a shitload of spots in, in world rankings. I mean, call it what it is, The with the scoring system that, you know, Liv does not count towards the rankings, let him stay stable. Leave him at 66. Don't knock him down several. He won. Stays at 66. You don't got to move him up because he technically can't move up, but there's no reason you need to knock him down. Yes, I, I probably should have emphasized that better, and thank you very much for doing that. Moving him backwards is the problem here. After he just beat John Rahm, Cameron Smith, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, all these guys who have won major championships in the past decade, you're going to move him back six spots. And again, I get that this is a tour where, and these guys were kind of aware at the beginning that this could be an issue potentially to move them backwards is it's just, it's just showing that there's a flaw in the system in my mind. And we've kind of known there was a little bit of a flaw in the OWGR, but I think this weekend really, really kind of put a bow on it. In my opinion, Ross. I mean, there's that. And then did you see they just for insight, they gave since Dustin Johnson 
went to live, which when he left for live, he was a top 10 player in the world. Since he joined live, he's won several events. He's basically finished in the top 10 in every single event they've had. Do you know where Dustin Johnson currently is in world rankings? Is he outside 70 now? Justin Dustin Johnson is currently ranked 248th in the world. Wow, I didn't know he had fallen that far. Come on, man. That's pathetic. He's won several events, like outright won several events, and he's basically failed to finish outside the top 10 on their leaderboard in every event since he joined Live Golf. Yet, when he went over there, I believe he was number eight or number nine in the world. This past this past ranking that just came out, he is now 248th in the world. Yeah, that's just wrong, man. And um, something something's got to get figured out there. And and it's just showing the the greater issue at hand that the game of golf is just really broken and really fractured right now. And everyone's losing. I mean, Joaquin Neiman just won a tournament and he's losing, and he's gonna have to do something if he wants to get into these major championships. Which last year. If I remember correctly, I don't believe he even like went and played on the DP World Tour, or the Asian Tour to like try to get points to get in those events. Am I remembering that correctly? I believe I believe you're correct. Do you like what? What's kind of your opinion on a young guy like Joaquin Neiman going over to live? And we've heard rumors the last couple of days that these players were told that they weren't going to have to worry about official World Golf ranking points when they go over there. Do you do you believe that that's what they were told and that's what lured them over there or, or helped them lure them over there along with the money? What are kind of your feelings on just a really tough situation for a guy like Joaquin Neiman to be in? Because in my opinion, even two years ago, before he left, he was one of the top 40, 50 players in the world and a really promising blossoming young star that hits the ball a long way hits it straight really good iron player we saw what he did at the genesis like a lot of talent there what do you kind of think about his situation right here right now and what should these guys be trying to do i'm kind of torn because it's where i don't want to sound like every person in the world in our golf world about this where you knew what you were signing on for because unfortunately, it looks like we're finding out a lot of these guys knew that they were giving up the tour. They knew that they weren't going to be welcomed back when they take this money and they go over there. But part of what they were being offered is that we're working with the world rankings to get a scoring system designed where you're still going to be able to account those points to now they're seeing oh no that was never a thing ever where it, it was almost false bait to get them over there and where i think i'm not going to be surprised where even after the money and the successes they're having if there's a handful of guys that are going oh shit well you know i'm never going to get a major now i'm never going to have a chance in a major i'm never going to play in a major because this is a thing that i didn't expect at the time when i went over and it is a double-edged sword because you you can say you know you made you made your decision now live with it. But at the same time, for people like Waco, I do feel for him where the performance hasn't lapsed. He went over as one of the best players in the world. It's the reason they paid him the money to go over there in the first place. But when you're consistently performing, just like Dustin Johnson, 
is one of the best players in the world. There's no reason that Waco has to be 74th in the world now. And there's no reason that Dustin Johnson has to be 248th in the world. Yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous. I, I really do wonder what those conversations were like for those players. The first kind of wave of guys to go over were, were they told that, we're working with the OWGR to get points. Were they told we're going to get OWGR points? We're likely to get them. Like the wording there kind of does matter in a situation like this. And I wonder how much assurance they got before they made that deal, thinking that they were going to get these points. And it's kind of left some of them in a really tough spot. And you have to wonder if, you know, I mean, loads of money is always great, but how many of them are going to have some buyer's remorse because they may not get these opportunities to play in major championships unless they go and spike somewhere else on the DP world tour or on the Asian tour or something along those lines. It just leaves them in a very peculiar situation. But again, they probably had somewhat of an idea that that was going to be the case, even going over there. You know what I mean? It's hard to be, it's hard, hard to be mad at the, at what's happening right now when it always seemed like that was kind of on the table, you know? I, I mean, I can, I completely agree with it, but it, it, it's one of those things that still pisses me off in fairness. Like, yes, they made their, they made their decision, but also you need to see what the bigger picture, what's going on. And especially just hearing that I love Justin Johnson personally. I, I'm, a I'm a big DJ. DJ I'm a big DJ guy. You're telling me he's 248th in the world. You put Dustin Johnson at Pebble Beach last week with 248 of the other players. Dustin Johnson beats at least 230 of them. Yeah, and what? He had one pretty bad year at, at major championships, and now he's just completely in the world golf rankings. It's almost like he's a nobody now all of a sudden. When this guy was one of the best golfers over the last decade, now he's dropped to 248 in the world after like uh, – four bad major championships against a string of, you know, good players after having an unbelievable run in them the past like eight years. Like what? Okay. So here's to bring it all into context with these new rankings out, Dustin Johnson, after everything he's accomplished, Waco after everything he's accomplished, Nick Dunlap is ahead of both of them. That's fucked up, man. And this is the biggest problem. Like, what what you believe, what you like about Liv, the PGA Tour, regardless how you feel about any of this, there's no denying that the official world golf ranking is not accurate. That's the problem, right? The, well, according to the OWGR now, Waco is the 74th best, Dustin Johnson's 248, Nick Dunlap after one win and one last place is 68th best in the world. Probably Jay Monahan saying that on behalf of the OWGR. What a joke that is. But I digress. I think we should move on to a very excellent tournament that we have this week, Ross. The People's Open is back. In my opinion, it's my favorite of the non-major slate of the entire season. And what's been uh, what, what's rather nice this year for me, Ross, is I actually get to watch the Waste Management Phoenix Open this year on full-fledged because the past two years, uh, I had been in Mexico for the Super Bowl and, of course, the timing of this tournament. So being the true golf degenerate that I am, I am very stoked to be uh, watching this thing from start to finish, hopefully on Thursday to Sunday. Hopefully we get a full 72 holes this week. I know there is supposed to be some interesting weather uh, early on in the week down in Arizona, but yes, the Waste Management Phoenix Open 2024 is back. TPC Scottsdale. It's not an elevated event this year, Ross, but still a, a pretty good 
pretty gosh darn good field, even though we saw Victor Hovland and Xander Shoffley both withdraw yesterday. Still a lot of good names. Scotty Scheffler looking to become the first guy to three-peat since uh, Steve Stricker at the John Deere Classic over a decade ago. Max Homa, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth. Wyndham, Matthew Fitzpatrick. It's an excellent event. Obviously, it's going to be rowdy and rambunctious all weekend long, but looks like there's going to be some really good golfers in the field as well, and that's excellent to see because I, I was a little bit concerned considering where this was in the schedule and Pebble getting the elevated status and the Genesis the week after. that This was going to be a little bit lackluster, but that's not going to be the case. It looks like uh, a lot of the big dogs wanted to go enjoy themselves in Scottsdale this week. Well. I mean, I, I think the thing I'm looking forward to the most about this, you didn't even name off one of the best golfers to watch. It's not even going to be playing. It's going to be Kiz live commentary on the 16th hole. I'm so here for that. Uh, I really loved Kiz's debut. I thought he was excellent. And I think this is going to be a perfect event for his type of humor and how he likes to go about his business. I'm sure he'd rather be playing in the Waste Management Phoenix Open, but if there's anywhere else he could be, uh, that seems like a really good spot for all I, I am going to be tuned in all four days to watch mm. this. For the lone fact that I need someone like Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth or someone like that, to turn and get a hot mic moment when they tell kids to fuck off. Yeah, right. It's going to be like a 30 footer. Just give, give Kizzy the bird over in the corner. There's going to be something, there's going to be something good like that. Him and Spieth have already, was it, was it him and Spieth who he was throwing a little bit? Of, oh yeah. He was talking about Spieth. Yes. He's like, Jordan, it's three feet, bud. Go and knock it, it in. It, it, it's three feet. Knock it down, bud. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Kisner on the mic, the lead into the Super Bowl on Sunday is stacked field TPC Scottsdale. Uh, 70 or 700,000 fans anticipated to be on hand throughout the course of the weekend. I don't know how many of those people are actually going to be watching the golf, but gosh darn it, whether they're watching or not, it can creates an unbelievable atmosphere. Uh, I'm really excited for this thing to get underway. And it really does feel now Ross, like we're, we're into golf season. I mean, Tory Pebble beach, another good field this week. We got Genesis next weekend, baby. Uh, it feels like golf season is here, right? Oh, golf season is 100% here. And the first thing I wanted to ask you is the betting expert of our show. I had I had a line I wanted to throw at you. Ooh, yeah, and, 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 and that was last year at the Waste Management, there were 4.5 million drinks consumed on the 16th hole. Alone. Alone. God damn. So what's the line? Are we... Are we going over on or no 4.5 million drinks over the four, over four, over four days last year? I want to know, are we hitting the over this year? Cause I think we are. That's, you know, I want to say yes, because that means people are having a goddamn good time and some good stuff's going on. I do wonder though, how much of that is uh, a little bit guys going a little bit harder knowing that the Super Bowl was also in that area last year as well, where it's in Vegas this year. Uh, if it's under, I'm going to say it's not going to be under by very much. Uh, I'll root for the over though with you, because that means there's a lot of uh, good drinks being flown out there and that's what the people deserve. They paid a lofty price. I'm sure to go on down there. They better be drinking and having a good time. 
Um, you ever, uh, what, what's kind of your, your thoughts on the event? Would you, as someone who like really enjoys watching golf, would you personally like want to go down there? Like what's, what are kind of your thoughts on ever attending the waste management Phoenix? Open? It's on, it's on my list. Just, it's on just, the list. To be just to be down there and say that, that I I've been in the atmosphere and I've experienced, I've experienced it one time. I would love to go myself. I don't know if I could do all four days though, because even mm-hmm. when I was, even when I was, uh, First, first golf event that I was fortunate to be credentialed to the BMW championship. I walked like 30 miles in four days, brother. I was nonstop walking and watching the golf because that's what I love to do. I love to watch the golf. And I don't know how many other people down there would be in the same boat as me wanting to be on that same path throughout the course of the weekend. So, and I feel like dodging through all those people would make my job a little bit harder. Um, But I was just curious as to whether or not you felt the same way about that. Definitely though, something that you have to do at least once for one day on the golf bucket list, right? A hundred percent. So before we kind of tie a bow on this episode here, Ross, um, want to ask you, what are your thoughts on Scotty Scheffler potentially repeating? He is the clear-cut favorite in this event, uh, especially now that Victor and Xander have withdrawn. He's won each of the last two years here. I believe last year he was second in the field in strokes gained putting. And I'll tell you what, if Scotty Scheffler is ever near the top of uh, the strokes gained putting category for a tournament, he's probably going to win it. It feels like this is the place for whatever reason. He kind of rolls the rock really well here. Uh, like I said, looking to be the first man to three-peat a PGA Tour event since Steve Stricker in 2009 to 2011. What kind of chances are you giving Scotty this week, Ross? You hit it on the head. It's going to be the putting. Um, I think one thing we've addressed for a very long time is Scotty Scheffler has been world number one, 70 something weeks now. Although Rory had a chance to catch him last week yeah. until he shit the bed. Big time. Shit he, shit, the bed. It, he shit the bed. And then Scotty actually pulled out a, a, a very decent performance where I think Scotty's going to have a little cushion for a few more weeks. Now, the biggest thing in Scotty Scheffler is he ranks at the top of the board in literally every single category in the PGA tour. Scotty Scheffler is one of the top three in every single category until you go to strokes gained on the green. And he's basically dead last. Yeah. And when I kind of have broken down this course and done, done all my research, one thing that really stand, a couple of things that actually, I guess I should say, really stand out is this is a very driver friendly tee to green type of course. This uh, this venue, TBC Scottsdale, actually has the longest average driving distance of any course on the PGA Tour, and that's because it is driver friendly. And with the altitude, the ball travels a little bit further there. We know what Scotty can do from tee to green, even with the short game. I mean, he is miraculous around the greens. Literally, the only flaw of his is like putting within 20 feet. He just seemingly has the yips at it. Um, but this is a place where ball strikers and really good drivers seem to reign supreme. And oddly enough, we've seen a lot of guys who have fared well in the U S open, just kind of play well at this event. Not saying that this isn't a U.S. open style track. There really isn't any rough. Um, but we've seen obviously Hideki win here twice. Brooks Kepka has won here twice. Uh, Ricky Fowler, Scotty's someone who, since he's been at the, at the top, he's contended in the U S opens week in and week out. Uh, Webb Simpson even is a former U S open winner as well. So for whatever reason, I don't think the courses are similar, but maybe it's just, uh, 
the risk-reward type of shots. There seemingly is a lot of them on this course, particularly on the back nine, and maybe just also how good of a field it is year after year. Maybe that's just what draws the best out of this tournament, but seemingly it feels like one of the big dogs or someone who often contends in major championships is going to win this tournament. Um, Ross, is there anyone else besides uh, or uh, after Scotty that maybe you're liking their chances for this week? I know a lot of people have been uh, having their eyes on Justin Thomas. Max Homa's an interesting name. Spieth, Burns, Clark, Benny on. Is there anyone uh, out of those names or even just throughout the rest of the field that you kind of like their chances this week? I have I have one person outside the nor- the normal realm of what we'd be looking for, and that is someone that statistically in the past has had success at this course, came very close to winning in the past, but just wasn't ready at the time. The past couple of weeks, the driver is hot. The driver has been his main issue for most of his career. And like you said, this course is very driver friendly. If he can figure it out at plus 4,500, I'm very in on Sahith Tagala. Oh, that's interesting. I know a lot of people are going to be on Sahith. Almost broke through for, at the time, what would have been his first PGA Tour win before uh, crumbling down those last couple of holes. But Sahith is someone that I've had my eyes on as well this week. I think uh, a really good fit. And like you said, has been performing a lot better with the driver. We know what he can do around the greens and with his approach. And he's putted pretty well here in the past too. So I don't have any official bets yet, Ross, but I, I like where you're going on that one. Um, before we, uh, move on here, I do want to just shout out a couple of other names that, again, I don't have any bets, but some names that have interest to me this week. Uh, Benny on is someone who hasn't played here in a couple of years, but has some pretty good results. And I believe was in the lead going into the final round back in like 2018 here. So he's a name that's intriguing to me. Uh, I mentioned guys who have performed well at the U S open Another course where guys, it seems to correlate here is also the players championship for whatever reason, Minwoo Lee played well at the U S open and at the players championship last year. So that was a name that kind of seemed a little bit intriguing to me. Uh, what are kind of your, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. I know you're not a betting guy, but this isn't really a betting question. Ricky Fowler, Hideki Matsuyama, two guys who have quite frankly been dog water to start this year. Both of those guys have unbelievable course history here at TPC Scottsdale. Would you be inclined to maybe not in the outright bets, but are, are you confident that either of them are going to play well this week? Or do you think they're just in a bad spell of golf and this isn't the time to get on them? I I actually was really impressed with Ricky last week for the first the first couple of rounds. Ricky was really, really in there. I'm not gonna be surprised. It's Ricky Fowler, man. That that big when big moments and opportunities arise for whatever reason, Ricky always comes out of nowhere and can stand up stand up to the challenge. So I'm not gonna be surprised to see Ricky. Um one of the ones from some from some of the sites I looked at that I found really impressive is how high they have Sung JM. He has not been good to start this year, like not good whatsoever, but has a good course history here. And I think the question on Sung Jay is like, do you believe that this is a bounce back spot for him? Because he's been oddly really bad to start this year. And he's usually like a guy who's consistent in all factors. And like the irons have not been good for him lately. No, I, I I can I completely agree. I was just um a lot just reading through, just trying to help yeah. with some some of the picks. 
a lot of them, a lot of these sites have him in the top 10 picks. Yeah. A lot of them have him in the top seven picks. Yeah, that's interesting to me. I, I don't think I'm going to be getting to Sungjae this week, but haven't finalized anything. One last long shot that I think is interesting. Kevin Yu, who's been playing good golf and uh, is someone who is familiar with desert type of venues, went to college at Arizona State right down the road. Um, I think Kevin Yu could be an interesting play, someone who's who's popped up a little bit. Not as much as uh, we forgot to give this guy credit earlier. Mathieu Pavon, one of the best names on the PGA Tour right now. Kevin Yu hasn't been as good as Mathieu Pavon has been, but someone who's kind of... Um, I would say surprisingly been uh, near the top of a couple of leaderboards so far here this year. I've been extremely impressed with Kevin Yu and the rounds he's been putting together the, pa- the past several tournaments now that he's get he's gotten a lot of coverage because he's go he's going low when it's cru- when it's crucial. The problem is he's not going low in the first couple of days. He's going low in round three and four. And he's getting a lot of, he's getting a lot of coverage time then. He needs to figure out in one and two to where he's at the top of the board already when he does that on day three and four. But I do believe Kevin Yu is not a matter of if, but when for the PGA Tour. And probably this year at some point, It's I'm going to guess it's going to be a little bit lower level event because he's working his way through the tour. But I'm not going to be surprised to mark Kevin Yu as someone that's in the winner's circle by the end of, by the end of the year when we go into the FedEx Cup playoffs. And Matthew Pavone, we've been on him for weeks and weeks. You and I talked about him before he even won the event, that yeah. he is just that guy that is lurking constantly. His name is not at the very top, but when you pay attention to the leaderboard, he's in that 5 to 15 range every single day. And when you go into the final round, all of a sudden he's up in the top six somewhere. One of the biggest things we see in the PGA is the drop-off after you get a victory. Oh, you know, the next week, the person's non-existent. Solo third. Very, very impressive. And we've seen, like you just mentioned, guys falling off after wins. Even notable guys have fallen off after wins. Wyndham Clark was pretty absent until Pebble Beach. Ricky Fowler has been kind of a ghost since he won at the Rocket Mortgage. So see Matthew Pavon just continuing to rack up good high-end finishes uh, is really impressive stuff from him early on in the year coming over to the United States. Ross, last question I got for you before we get on out of here as we start creeping in towards an hour. Um, Again, I know you're not a betting guy, but is this the week we're going to see a big dog win? Wyndham, yes, is a big dog, but he was at like 100 to 1 because he had been playing so bad going up to that. Do you think we see one of the big dogs finally get it done this week, or is the year of the underdog continuing at TPC Scottsdale? For the sake of this tournament <laughs> and how and how much people pay to be there and everything, good God, do I hope we get a huge name to, to, to take this one. But then again, we've been wrong about everything else, so it's not going to surprise me to see someone else from way down the board come and get one. Yeah, I feel the same way. For the sake of the uh, all those fans that are going to be there on Sunday that are likely to be very intoxicated, have the winner be someone they kind of know. That would that would be probably a good thing for the PGA Tour to do this week. But it's going to be an excellent event, a perfect lead up to the Super Bowl, man. 
Um, as much as we make fun of the PGA Tour and talk bad about it, having the waste management as the the pregame to the Super Bowl, if you will, is uh, one of their better decisions. And the atmosphere at at TPC Scottsdale and what this event just has turned into be. Um, I don't think it's what what the PGA Tour wants every golf event to turn into week in and week out. But uh, for once a year, man, it is a, a, an electric party. And I hope everyone that is in attendance enjoys themselves to the fullest, as I know they will. I, I can now that we've spoken into existence, which we more than likely have, I can see just a no name down, down the board being on the 16th hole uh, on Sunday. And you just hear the ra- the random guy from the crowd. Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> I was about to say, who the fuck is Lee Hodges? Like <laughs> something along those lines. We'll this see what that is about. This would be the one crowd that you could expect that to happen, and the place would absolutely lose it. Kids would lose his mind uh, on the 16th hole if he heard that. Yeah, I, I actually, again, I was in Mexico last year. Uh, I wonder if Nick Taylor was kind of getting the business a little bit, being a Can- being a Canadian, uh, having that lead and then melting down to Scotty there late at the end. I wonder if he was if he was hearing it or feeling the pressure there, a little bit extra. I could see I could see it, and honestly, I just don't know what the PGA Tour this year, man. It, it, it's re- it's really hard to call. It, it's oh, you're not, telling it's, me. Yeah, I'm not even the betting guy, and I'm stressed. I am broke, brother. I have made like zero dinero. Uh, well, I've made actually zero dinero off of my outright bets this year. Um, hopefully this is the week though, man. I've been putting in some research. I've been grinding. So we'll we'll see if uh, an underdog prevails. If that's the case, I probably will not be on him. But Ross, is there anything else you wanted to uh, touch on before we kind of wrap things up here? I think we got most of the topics that I wanted to, but didn't want to leave you hanging just in case. No, I think we covered basically everything for this week. We're on to waste management, and then you know let's let's en- enjoy th- enjoy this week because Monday becomes Tiger Watch, baby. Woo! You see that picture that I put in our group chat earlier today at Tiger? Yep, that tweet was. Excellent. I couldn't be more excited for the Genesis Invitational, but super excited for the Waste Management this week, man. It's going to be an excellent tournament. Should be an excellent weekend, excellent Sunday. Everyone out there, enjoy to the best of your abilities. And everyone out there watching and listening, make sure again to go and uh, subscribe to the podcast available now on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Go and show some support. That really helps us out tremendously. And also go and follow uh, on tab golf. It's reversed on X, but we could use the numbers growing there a little bit on our social media presence. Go and give Ross a follow at Ross John 22. And I don't have mine listed right here, but if you want to go and give your boy a follow as well, you can find me at Jack Bushman two on X everyone again, enjoy the 2024 waste management Phoenix open. I hope everyone out there hits their bets and then doubles up their money going into the super bowl. Uh, until next time, everyone crack them, lock them and enjoy crack them. <laughs>